Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen. Um, thanks for joining me on this In Conversation episode with P.R. Smith or Paul Smith, um, who is the brains behind and the architect of the SoftTac planning framework for marketing. Um, Paul's a marketeer, he's a consultant, he's a public speaker, he works genuinely works globally and he's also the author behind some pretty amazing books on marketing um, including Digital Marketing Excellence uh, written with Dave Chaffee and now in its fifth edition I have the third edition um, and the SauceTag Guide to the Perfect Digital Marketing Strategy which is available on Amazon and anywhere else if you're interested in marketing you probably should already have it. Um, It's a real honour genuinely to have Paul uh, on the show um, so he has a lot of good stuff to talk about and um, some really brilliant tips some brilliant uh, uh, discussions on, on sauce tech and why it uh, was voted one of the top three business models by the cim so without any further chat from me um, i hope you enjoy the podcast okay um paul um thanks very much for joining me um this morning on the podcast um i want to make a, a bit of a uh you prefer to be called pr smith well, that's that's my brand name, if you like, the 17,000 Paul Smiths in the UK alone, I'm told. So PR Smith is my brand name, but please call me Paul. Okay. Paul, really, genuinely, thanks very much for um, for coming along. You and I had crossed paths about um, 10, 10 years ago um, on a project uh, up here in Belfast. Can you just give me a bit of background as to um, what, what you were doing then and what you've been doing since then? Yeah, that, that was a fascinating uh, project uh, for Detty. Uh, the government body, uh, we created uh, the Northern Ireland's first creative digital platform. And the purpose of that was to promote digital products and services from Northern Ireland uh, and to bring communities together, uh, financial communities, entrepreneurs, small businesses, uh, etc. And uh, it did that. And we delivered, uh, it was called Creativity was the brand name we gave it with the number eight in the middle of creativity.com. It was only a year long project. But we did bring um, subscribers from around the world who were buying digital services. Uh, we hit that target and we had uh, some fantastic Northern Ireland brands uh, that included um, all sorts of products and services, which promoted uh, amazing digital activities. And uh, I remember in the launch of it, we had it in the Science Park in Belfast where the Titanic was built. And we actually had a live um, Second Life virtual world event where the Minister for Enterprise, Nigel Dodd at the time, uh, was in Westminster. But we were able to cut to a screen of what was Second Life at the time, the virtual world. And um, I was able to say to the audience, look, there's our virtual press room. Uh, have a look at that. Um, there's the virtual baseball cap. There's the pen. There's the paper. There's the news release. They'll get the real one tomorrow, but the avatars can get the virtual stuff now. And we've got a surprise for you. So I walked off stage. And then my avatar walked back into the Second Life world. And then I said, we've got another surprise for you, which is your Minister for Enterprise. And in came Nigel Dodds and did his uh, his actual uh, speech. And then uh, he went, left off stage and then we came back on stage into the into the real world. That was 10 years ago. Uh, and it's great to see virtual reality is because taking, well, it's becoming a lot more uh, um, of an option for many, many companies now. So. I like to think we were ahead of the game, and that was a wonderful project, like creativity.com. It was only a one-year project, unfortunately, but uh, it was a fantastic time, and I saw an awful lot of incredibly clever digital work coming out of Northern Ireland at the time. Yeah, there certainly was. At the time, I was working with um, uh, a guy I I would have known prior to the project, but he would have had a fairly decent and a very high profile um, nationally and internationally as as a painter, Dermot Kavanagh. And, oh yes. Um, D- Dermot um, had put a lot of effort into creating. Um, I think the website was called awashwithcolor.com, and um, it's a it's a it's a brilliant concept. I think it's just probably um, it might have been a bit too early for Dermot. I remember it. It was uh, it was a fantastic. He offered tutorials um, to people to do painting um, around the world uh, online, and I, from memory, I think he supplied all the templates and all the materials were all supplied as well. So once you signed up for it, uh, you'd have your X number of tutorials with them live interacting. Uh, you'd have the templates and, you know, it was like it was in your front room. So you could turn your house or your, your lounge into, I guess, really uh, uh, into your, your, your painting room where you, I um, can't think of the word for it, but, you know, when you do do your, your, your painting. Um, I thought that was such a clever idea. Uh, but I think 
probably like most really brilliant ideas like that. And it did. It was a high quality delivery as well. At the end of the day, you need a huge sponsor or partner or player to actually promote it because build me a better mousetrap and the world would be the path to my door. It's just not true. Um, great mousetraps, great products, great services die every day because they don't have the marketing support uh, uh, to, to get it out to the world. I'm still convinced, actually, that uh, Dermot's painting product could reach a massive audience worldwide if you got the right sponsor. So if, if there's a Dulux or another paint company or, or somebody in that space that could see a link that they could leverage, and if they wanted the most amazing uh, content marketing, well, here's an unusual interactive content marketing uh, content experience as well that would be provided by Dermot et al., you know, I will I will pursue that offline and hopefully online again with Dermot Paul. Um, just the reason that I wanted to talk to you, I've been um, fascinated in that time about some of your work on um, market and marketing strategy, specifically through your SauceTech uh, planning guide. Um, I'd love to hear more about that from you. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, you did ask me what I've done since. Well, SauceTech, yeah, that's okay. SauceTech planning is uh, a big part of what I've done since. Um, in fact, just to summarize that, I, I do three things really. I write books about digital marketing and marketing and marketing planning, and I talk about it at events uh, and conferences around the world and uh, advise companies about their digital marketing. Um, and then th that's my nine to five. And my five to nine job is uh, I've set up a not-for-profit uh, edutainment program to inspire young people to greatness. And it's called the Great Sportsmanship Program. So that's www.greatsportsmanship.org. And uh, basically, we inspire young people through short stories about sportsmanship. And through every social media platform, uh, we put out one new story every day. And uh, it's growing steadily. And um, I'm very proud of that uh, not-for-profit program called the Great Sportsmanship Program. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, all sorts of interesting clients around the world. Come back to Sustac. Um, um, I was very frustrated when I was doing my master's many, many moons ago, uh, reading you know, all the Kotlers and all the rest of the, these heavy big textbooks and reading through plans. So I was just frustrated at the lack of structure of, of all the marketing plans I saw. So I, I kept in touch with my cohort. I did, I did my master's part time. So I had two years of cohorts that I'm connected with. And I asked most of them to send me their first marketing plans that they wrote when they graduated for, for their companies. Um, just just the contents page was all I wanted to look at the structure, and uh, I kind of studied them and thought thought about it for a year or two actually, and I came up with with uh, something a, a version of Sustack, and I played with that for another couple of years, and eventually I knew I had it when I when I finally came upon SOS TAC, and because uh, everywhere I, I went with it at the time, and even today people say that's brilliant, and um, the Charter Institute of Marketing voted in in the top three business models in the world. Uh, during its uh, centenary uh, anniversary um, poll, which I was very, very pleased about. So SOSTAC as, as a planning framework is very simple and can be learned in four minutes. And, you know, there's a full book, there's a SOSTAC guide to your, to writing your perfect digital marketing plan um, out there. Uh, and there's also a SOSTAC online certification program, which is SOSTAC.org. So th there's plenty of support materials for it. But in four minutes, you can learn how to write the perfect plan. There's also a LinkedIn uh, page defined, uh, dedicated to it, which is uh, just called Sustac. And there's a Facebook page called Sustac as well. Um, so there's plenty of support materials, but in four minutes you can learn it. And I'm pleased to say that uh, LinkedIn, uh, both their EMEA and their EU uh, have areas or regions have adopted Sustac planning. Uh, we've also got now KPMG, their digital HQ in Toronto, uh, are adopting Sustac planning. Um, and there's more and more companies that have got PLCs here in London who are uh, adopting it. And uh, we've licensed the templates for the program as well so that all the managers use a consistent structure that's perfectly logical, crystal clear uh, and easy to use. So <clears throat> going back back in the day, whenever I, I studied marketing, um, it was all about the four P's. And, and I read in a, uh, a book recently that they're counting 27 plus P's. So the, the th things have changed. One of the things that um, I've noticed very recently is that more and more people that I talk to, more and more businesses that I consult are already familiar with SauceTech. Um, I, I, it probably crossed my path. I, ca I can't remember exactly, but I remember uh, working with an old, uh, one of the, my previous companies years ago, my, the boss said, you know, marketing isn't all that complex. 
you just need to think about Rudyard Kipling. I have six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. And at the time, I thought that was oversimplified. Um, and then I'll cut straight to your e-marketing e-excellence book with um, co-written with Dave Chaffee, where you reference that Rudyard Kipling piece. Um, and Sostak is really, uh, it's, it makes everything really easy, Paul. Yeah, um, and Kip, Kipling's uh, wise old questions are, are, are interesting because uh, I firmly believe that if you can answer those questions about your customers, um, it means you're going to do a really in-depth, and your prospect customers, uh, you're going to do an in-depth situation analysis, which is the first step in Sustack situation analysis. And I believe that really half of your effort and half of your plan should be dedicated to the situation analysis, which will cover your customers and it will cover your competitors, it will cover your distribution channels, your competitive advantage, your trends in the marketplace, the digital trends, the big, big ones, the big digital trends that, that are kind of burning everybody's heads at the moment, um, you know, such as um, artificial intelligence, um, big data, the Internet of Things, uh, and so on, uh, marketing automation, um, robotics, uh, etc. Uh, these the, these trends need to be built in. They're going to affect every company. And in fact, I've been reading some really frightening, uh, and I mean frightening, um, stuff about artificial intelligence when, when it gets past the point of being more intelligent and a thousand times more intelligent than humans and a million times more intelligent. What happens then? And so that's another day's conversation, though. <laughs> but yeah. you need to be mindful of these things in the situation analysis. And so Kipling's questions are quite appropriate to apply to do you really, can you answer these questions uh, about your customers? I'd summarize it by saying, can you answer the who, the why, and the how about your customers? So who are they? Uh, the worst answered question in most businesses. Uh, everybody's got a database, but whether they actually use them to profile and, and uh, make sense of the uh, profiles of the customers is another thing. So who, why uh, is actually the most difficult. Um, it's not the most poorly answered, but it is the most difficult question. Why do people buy or not buy? Why do they come to your website or not? Why do they bounce after three seconds? Why do they visit twice but never come back? Why do they go to competitors? Why do you buy competitors? Why did you not buy? Why did you stop it? So the why question is, is a deep and complex question. And then the how. How is the customer journey, the lifetime journey? So how do they buy? And there's two parts to that question, which is how do people buy? How do, what are the buying models? Uh, how many visits does it take? What are the best routes for them to come online, offline? Is it, is it an integrated uh, search mechanism they use, um, et cetera? And then the second part of the how is how do they process information? And that means, you know, how do they see my website? Do they see it as a complete mess or do they see it as a beautiful place that they want to come back to? Um, how, what do they take from the messages on that, that app? Um, do they understand it? Do they not understand it? So that begins to overlap a little bit with the why there, but it also helps you to understand how they perceive your stuff. So don't be surprised if you, you find people perceive it very differently to how you imagine it. So it's, it's classic marketing, really, the, 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 the how. But so if you can spend time answering the who, the why, and the how of your customers and your prospect customers, uh, you're off to a good start. And that's where the convergence of technology and social behavior really takes place. Uh, the, the why question, I think, is, is fascinating because I often, um, uh, you know, I, I often interrogate some clients by asking them, why would I buy from you? Just directly, why would I buy from you? Yeah. And what they tend to do is come up with a load of features and benefits that, mm. are, that are immediately copyable and replicated by other competitors within that field. And it's mm. some for some people, especially for um, business owners, people who have either inherited a business from their parents or people who have been working and you know, set up their own business, they, they, they're either reticent or reluctant to or find great difficulty in truly interrogating that why, what's the real purpose of their business. And that's hard. It's hard to see that whenever you sit inside, as you say, nine to five and five to nine for some of these people, it's seven days a week. They can't see beyond what they can see. Yeah, um, it, it is a problem. You get too close to it and you can become generic. Um, offering the same stuff as everybody else. But even before that, there's a step before that, which I call apply the magic marketing formula. And again, um, I came up with this many years ago, but you know, but I do like to call it the magic marketing formula. And, and if you apply this, and it does work in B2C and B2B markets time and time and time again. So I call it IRD, I for identify needs, R for reflect those needs back to the customer or the prospect. And uh, D is deliver, and deliver means deliver a reasonable 
product or service. It's not saying necessarily it's a Rolls Royce you're going to deliver, but it's a reason. You don't break your promise. And I find that works again and again and again. If you can identify the need, which is a real challenge because in the digital world and the disruptive digital world in particular, people aren't even aware that they would have liked to have an Uber or a B&B. But somewhere in their head, it would have been kind of nice if they thought about it, that it'd be quite useful to have that. But you know, So some of these things are difficult to express. But you know, if we're clever enough and get down and spend time, and actually Airbnb did spend time asking customers face-to-face, what, what would they like? What would be the perfect holiday for them or the perfect weekend break, etc.? So they did spend time asking that, and then they built the services to match it. And bingo, you can see. So that's IRD in action. And you've probably experienced it yourself, uh, Paul, when uh, you, know, you put into it, a search engine, a long string of words, and bingo, up comes exactly those set of words, and they're on a website. You're going, yes, this is it. I found this obscure piece I was looking for, and it's exactly what I need. Well, that eureka moment is IRD. It's the magic marketing formula. Somebody's been clever enough to um, you know, optimize for certain phrases that, that they've done their research to figure out what those phrases are, and they've peppered them throughout the site and optimized for them, and so they pop up for somebody searching for that and somebody searching for something else, they've optimized for those as well, or they've they've re- relatively balanced uh, it across the, the site so that they are found or findable for those other phrases as well. So, you know, IRD is an incredibly simple, but you know what, market after market, uh, business after business, it just works, it's so easy. So if your website reflects exactly what needs customers have, for example, some of them want to see more, some of them want to try it, not buy it, but just try it, and some, some want to buy it. So you apply C, try, buy. So website has a facility. If you want more information, here's a video or here's more links. Um, if you want to try it, you don't want to buy it, but here's a free trial or here's a virtual immersion experience. Um, and if you want to just want to buy it, you know, people want to save time, then click the big buy now button that should not be hidden. I, I had an awful row with one of my publishers. I won't say which one, but uh, over various editions of what was the marketing excellence book. That gives it away. <laughs> it's not. It's not called the Digital Marketing Excellence Book. And I have to say they're brilliant now. They're actually the company's been taken over and they're, they're superb now. But at the time there was no buy now button at the end of of our book, and uh, I say to them, there's no buy now button, and they said, uh, oh, there is, there is, and I said there isn't. And if you looked really closely and squinted your eyes up against the screen, you could see a tiny little arrow, and that arrow said, you know, click here for more information or something like that. You know, like such hard work. Who was it? Um, Steve Jobs once said. Uh, your, your, your CTAs, your call to action buttons should be so nice that you want to lick them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it kind of says a lot of why hide that. So so for those customers that want to buy now, make it easy for them. Uh, I'll tell you a great writer, an Irish writer, actually, that I think is absolutely superb. Jerry McGovern. I don't know if you read any yeah, of this stuff. Yeah, he used to do the internet board. Um, he had a website, was it? Uh, Newa. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. absolutely amazing stuff. I'd highly recommend his one-pager newsletter. He's a, he really is switched on, but um, you know, he gets very angry, <laughs> like I do, with companies that make it difficult. And he points the fingers at banks and uh, just don't seem to care or get to understand the need that some customers are under pressure. They, you know, they've got a they've got a task to do. They've got to get on here and buy this, get that, find that. And they don't want to spend more time than necessary. So why make it difficult? You know, it's not rocket science. No, so, it, it's, it's not as funny. The um, the previous guest I had on the show was um, talking about uh, his guy called Oliver Lennon. He was the CEO of Speechstorm, who yeah. kind of used voice recognition to help uh, customer experiences and for large corporates like Sky and Aircom and people like that. Mm. And he, he, he tried to use the banking uh uh, the cash point as an example of how intuitive thinking, you know, if you changed any of the consequence or if you changed any of the sequence of buttons or you took some of those buttons away or you took a, a, a cash point away, then mm. there would be complete uproar, you know. And yep. It's getting that fine balance between exactly as you said, understanding fully what the customer needs and then being able to apply logical technology or a good user experience. Design thinking, I think it's called, is it? Yes, indeed. And in fact, uh, you know, with the digital world, Every product can become a service, is a service, because you can layer on so many services online. And uh, But, you know, I think infinite is the word that comes to mind in, in, in all costs resources, of course. But uh, infinite is the word that comes to mind in terms of added value is infinite online. If you can figure out what customers really need, and sometimes when they don't fully understand what they need, but if you can dig down that deep 
and then find cost-effective ways of delivering that stuff. Sometimes it's a mashup of just putting two bits of technology together, and bingo, you've got some very valuable stuff, which all fits into SOSTAC uh, planning as well into the structure. So how come SOSTAC, like, I'll be really honest with you, Paul, I have never heard of any other uh, model, you know, no other um, planning model is competing for airtime in my head with SOSTAC. Why, why is it so popular and why, is, why do so many marketeers use it? Well, it's it's simple and it's logical. It's got a crystal clear structure, um, and it's logical, and it can be adopted by companies throughout. So, shall I run through it in please four do, minutes? Yeah, please do. Yeah. So, if if you're not familiar with Sustag, this is it. Uh, S for situation analysis, which is where are you now? O for objectives, where are you going? S for strategy, how do you get there? Now, the strategy is the smallest piece in the plan, but it's the heart of the plan. It's the most difficult bit, and it's the weakest bit of most plans. Most textbooks don't explore strategy very much. And uh, then we've got tactics, which are the details of strategy. And by that, I mean, it gets into your marketing mix, uh, your communications mix, laying out what's going to happen when, and then you're into action. And action is the bit that most plans do not um, have, which is the details of tactics. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means... Um, how do you know you're going to ensure excellence in execution? How do you know this great plan that's got a wonderful analysis, got clear objectives, nice strategy, beautiful tactics? How do you know somebody's going to actually execute this for you properly? And this is this is a weak link in, in most plans. They don't address this. I call it internal marketing. The action section is about internal marketing, which means how are you going to motivate people to deliver this with enthusiasm and passion? How are you going to ensure that they have the skills and they know how and the processes that are clear? How do you know they're going to deliver this stuff? Um, and so you're going to have to motivate them, you're going to have to train them, and you're going to have to communicate with them uh, about why the strategy and tactics are going in this direction and, and how you're going to be able to deliver and what training you might need to make it happen and to make people feel shared, shared reward from it as well. So the action piece is so important that there's been books written about it, um, um, you know, the... Um, about the importance of excellence. They can be strategically, believe it or not, I know it's not strategic, but it has been defined as a strategic advantage. If you're able to, to execute better than your competitors, you have a competitive advantage. And Larry Bossidy from GE, um, who took over from Jack Welch, Bossidy wrote, and a guy called Charan from the Harvard Business School, wrote a book about um, about execution being you know, a strategic advantage if you get your teams to execute better than others. And you'll see this out there in the digital world in particular. How many websites have let you down, You know, didn't work, were slow to load, had a dead end, a broken link, whatever. Um, and that's that's a lack of action or execution or, or marketing. So the action piece is about saying, well, you know, how are we going to ensure? And some companies, I was speaking in Sri Lanka recently at a one-day conference on digital transformation. And um, the, one of my speakers that I invited to speak with me um, from Sabre, the uh, you know the massive multi-billion uh, airline ticketing operating uh, system, they said to me that they spent about 15% uh, on internal marketing. And I've discovered other companies like Guinness and so on spent large chunks of the marketing budget on internal marketing to ensure everybody comes with the message, everybody understands that everybody's part of it. So that's the action piece and um, has to be budgeted for as well. And uh, then you've got control, which is building into your plan. What are you going to measure when? Uh, who's going to measure it? How often is it going to be measured? Some stuff is daily, some stuff is monthly, some stuff is quarterly. Um, sometimes it costs you money to, to measure some things, so you've got to budget for it. It certainly costs you time. And most importantly, what are you going to do with this information? So, uh, you know, if you see you know, a 60% increase in, in visitors to a particular page on your site, and you see the conversion rate has jumped from 1% to 18%, you know, this is gold dust. But it's lost gold dust if nobody actually who's monitored it, nobody does anything with that information. So you've got to take it to a manager and say, hey, we've seen a blip. Um, and then they probably say, okay, well, let's take that product and put it on the homepage and we'll get X million people seeing it and get massive conversion rates, et cetera. So control is about what are you going to measure when, who's going to do it. And then that's Sustac. Add in your three M's, your three key resources, men, money, and minutes, men and women, the human resource, money, budgets, and minutes, timescales. Pepper those throughout and bingo, you've got a nice, simple, well-structured plan that boards of directors seem to like. I've found a lot of agencies and consultancies use Sustack in their pitches and, and the clients on the other end go, love it. I love the clear thinking here. There's a great logic and they connect with it and they buy into it straight away and give them the business. So it's a simple one and it does work. I mean, there's variations in it and uh, you know, the, it can always be improved and I am every year improving it. Uh, the the Sustack guide 
to your perfect digital marketing plan, um, I, I do a new edition of that every year, a new edition. It's a modification or improvements wherever I can squeeze them in. And by the way, uh, I do welcome any comments from users, uh, any feedback on the Sustack site, sustack.org, rprsmiths.org, either of those, or Facebook, you'll find us as well. Just just any feedback, we're always welcome. Or if, if people have, may I put a little plug in here? Go um, ahead, no, go ahead, Paul, please yeah. do. Um, we're always collecting mini case studies of people using Sustack, whether it's for a business plan, whether it's for an advertising plan, pay-per-click plan, or it's for social media content plan, or whatever it is. Um, we even health and safety plan. Uh, we've got some, we, we collect Sustack plans, two or three page Sustack plans of these different levels of plans, and we upload them to the Sustack.org site. So if people want a bit of exposure, we're always happy to do that. If people have got a good example for us. One of the things that I would um, I would say is that in my business, where I um, for business improvement or business growth, I, I layer marketing and sales strategy on top of one another for business improvement. I've used SauceTech for for quite some time because of um, there's a couple of things. I think first of all, it's for, it does give clarity. Um, it's easy to follow. But the thing that you touched on was the when you talked about the actions and the internal marketing. One one of the big difficulties that I've noticed from businesses of all sizes is that when they execute a big marketing strategy or they they push whatever channels they use so often there's a huge disconnect between what they do externally and what they need to do internally and the, and the, and the plan typically then falls and then the finger pointing between marketing and sales just mm -hmm. gets exacerbated and yeah. um, I always I've always found that the internal marketing is probably one of the first parts you know you've got to get people in, inside the impact is not just for that campaign but it's all about the impact that it has on culture um, the impact that that then has on the customer experience so it all of a sudden you can see these small dots joining up and linking up all done very easily through sauce time yes yes indeed yeah and increasingly we find people sending us nice stories of, of how they use it which is great um Really, really, uh, we always delighted to hear that um, nice responses, and we get nice responses for the book on Amazon as well. Um, the reviews so far, Touchwood, have been pretty much um, five star. Uh, it's been one or two that haven't been, but by and large, they've been five. I think you put one uh, some time ago, uh, Paul. Thank you very much for that. Um, but yeah, so we're really pleased with the reaction people get, is, and they seem to enjoy using it, and seem to clear things up for a lot of people. Well, I have, um, I think I've got. Uh, if, if it's if it's all about giving plugs, then I'm happy to. To, to tell people that I've got three of your books. I've got two of the uh, Kindle versions um, and I've got the eMarketing Excellence, which is in its third edition. I know you said you were on edition five now. Yeah, eMarketing Excellence we've, we actually, it was, it's in its fifth edition now and we actually had to change the name. Um, there's a classic for you, you know, eMarketing is an old word. Um, and digital marketing is a much more popular word. If you, you know, look at Google Trends or anywhere where you want to see what's happening, you'll see, you know, e-marketing was a word that's going downwards and and in trend-wise, and digital marketing is a word that's going upwards. So uh, we made with reluctance, we we changed the name. I say reluctance because we are told we have a cult following for cult following. Well, there's a following in America for the e-marketing excellence books. Uh, it was unusual. Our publisher was saying that this book's selling in America, which is unusual for a book written in Britain or Ireland to actually uh, make it in the U.S. So. It's nice to hear that, uh, but with reluctance, we changed the name from e-marketing excellence to digital marketing excellence. Um, so that's out there doing okay, uh, doing very well. And then we've got the marketing communications book, which is my first book ever written. That's into its sixth edition. Uh, I'm just pulling it out here now. So marketing communications, offline and online integration, engagement and analytics. And then we've got the um, Sustag so Guide to Your Perfect Digital Marketing Plan. Uh, I published that one myself through uh, Create Space on Amazon. And uh, then we've got um, oh, 100 Tough Questions for Marketing. That's an old one. Um, then I have one that's totally unrelated, which is Great Moments in Sportsmanship, <laughs> which is my sportsmanship program. Uh, there's a couple of others floating around there somewhere. Oh, yeah, there is a basic digit, uh, marketing, a Sustech marketing plan on, online as well. That's another. So you kind of, you're, you're evidently writing from experience. You're evidently writing um, multi-times because there is a demand for it out there. Through all of your experience and, and um, uh, this, this, the depth and breadth of experience that you have, what, what's the one tip that you would like to share this morning, Paul, for anybody who's listening to this, be they a business owner, be they a marketeer, be they a uh, head of sales? What, what's the one tip that you would share from all of your experiences in marketing to this point? Ooh, I'm, I'm glad you um, 
you spoke for a bit uh, as you asked the question. <laughs> you rambled a little bit because I'm trying to think. That's a huge question. Wow. Um, let me just think. Um, okay, if I was to pull a tip, uh, I would say uh, a very basic tip. Actually, I heard this about 30 years ago, and it's always stuck in my head. And, you know, I nearly put it into every marketing plan I write for a client. And most clients spot it. It's only one line. And they most clients spot it and they say, I like that. Uh, and again, it's screaming common sense. But it, it is this. Develop credibility before raising visibility. So many companies get that wrong. They do it the other way around. Uh, I mean, I'll give you a screaming example. And it's safe to give a negative example because this is 100,000 years old almost by now. It's when British Gas. Uh, was it British Gas? No. Uh, it was British Telecom. And before they called PTBT, they were British Telecom. When they went private, or public, should we say, when they floated, um, they overnight became the biggest advertising spender in the UK. So from zero to a hundred million pounds a year, they were spending. So they were the biggest advertiser in the UK by a mile. And the year that they went public or sold themselves on the stock market. So, um, what they did was they spent an awful lot of money on these TV ads, which drove people to, they didn't, even, didn't have websites in those days, but to the phones to say, or to the stores and say, I want BT, you know, fill in the form or apply for it now. Um, and of course, people started buying more BT stuff. And what happened was they didn't have the service in place. So the service was still quite shoddy at the time. It's vastly improved now, but um, at the time it was not good. So you have people uh, very angry and all that happened was, as they raised visi raise the visibility before developing credibility, they just annoyed people. So they simply moved from being a lousy low-profile company to being a lousy high-profile company. Now, I know they've improved vastly since, but at that time, that was £100 million, in my opinion, wasted money. So I often recommend to clients, uh, if I sense that their service or their website or their added value that they're trying to create isn't working like it should, and then I tell them to stop their marketing. Now, most companies won't do that. They just cannot do that. They think that's abhorrent to suggest that. But I say to them, I really think you should cut back your spend or stop it altogether. Spend the money on fixing, like BT should spend the money getting the, the service quality up. Put the money into that part of the product, if you like. Stop the money on the promotion and uh, fix that bit and then raise uh, the visibility. So always develop credibility, whether that means getting endorsements, getting, you know, reviews, getting the product tweaked and developed and ensuring you got lots of feedback all the time as part of your sales process. There's, there's an embedded into it is the feedback thing, which gets channeled up the line, which looks at the customer experience and the journey. So uh, get that bit sorted first. And when you're happy with that, then raise visibility. So develop credibility before raising visibility. That's a brilliant one. That's um, way, way too logical and very, very simplistic. But um, it's really deep at the same time, you know, that it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, sorry for uh, catching you on words, but you've redeemed yourself really well there. So <laughs> that's excellent, yeah. Um, okay, so just, um, you'd mentioned earlier on that there are ways to become a SOSTAC certified planner. Presumably there are courses that people can attend. There's online learning as well, Paul, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we've set up the SOSTAC online portal, which is simply SOSTAC.org. And when you go in there, if you've less than five years experience, you can uh, sign up for the SUSTAC Associate. Uh, and what that is, is you download a manual and you can ac access to these mini cases I was telling you about earlier. And um, you can uh, brush up on it and take a multiple choice, multiple answer quiz or test or assignment online. We do it four times a year. And uh, you get an instant result. You get your certificate with their name there and then on the spot. Uh, approved by the CPD standards uh, UK office, and uh, so that's for people kind of new, new to the world of marketing, if you like. If you've got five years experience uh, or a degree under your belt, uh, you can take the next level, which is the SUSTAC certified planner, and that's a bit more in depth. There's two manuals downloaded with that. Uh, again, access to all the materials, and then you've got a multiple choice, multiple uh, answer case study. SOSTAC case study to do online. And again, it's a one hour, it's open book. Both those papers are open book. So you can bring your notes with you. The case study goes out a week or 10 days beforehand. So you've got time to read it, think about it. Uh, then when you are ready over a three day period, you choose your, your time when you want to do it, press start and off you go. And um, you fill in and you get an instant response. 60% is the pass rate, six zero, 
Um, and there, there, then you get the immediate ba um, certificate there then, and you can then add that to your profile on LinkedIn or wherever you want to put on your website that you're a cert Sustack certified planner. Um, there also is an affiliate program where we have people reaching out to other people in other countries. And uh, we also have Sustack certified trainers. So um, actually I'm speaking to one in Northern Ireland very soon. Uh, so looking forward to having that conversation. So yeah, we're, we're trying to make it more accessible. And we have some companies that actually use the licensed um, templates. So if they want to be 100% sure, um, you know, here you are. Here's, here's 50 blank pages. Get everybody to fill in these as best they can. Um, fill in the summary sections as well. And you've got a nice, simple, consistent structure at different levels. Uh, across regions as well, which is quite nice. So I'm seeing a client next week actually about that, which is quite reassuring and exciting to see all the companies on board. They're all loving using Sustag. Of uh, about 34 managers, I think they have 28 that have completed it first time around, no problem in, in writing their plans. A couple, I'm just going to go in there and have a look over the shoulder and see if we can help them polish it a bit. And bingo, um, the company's up and running uh, with a very simple system that everybody seems to like. So <clears throat> um, I, I would always when I work with clients or coaching um, individuals, I always use the, 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 the idea that you start the journey with a destination in mind, you create a process to deliver in that destination. Forget about the destination, then just become a slave to the process. And for me, I see SauceTech as a really, really fine-tuned process for all marketeers or business owners who want to deliver greater results through marketing. Mm. Yeah. And uh, if, if anybody needs to see you know, the four minutes, I don't know, maybe it was a little longer than four minutes, but the four minute piece I gave you about Sustac, um, that's on video uh, verbatim pretty much uh, on Sustac.org or PRSmith.org. You'll, you'll find it there, um, a four minute video of, of me repeating that stuff. Also, um, a couple of other tidbits for you, if I may, um, which might be of use to anybody that likes Sustac uh, or this kind of material. Um, I've always believed in the edutainment. Um, and try to make both the books and pod, uh, this podcast, hopefully, but um, any of the blog posts or Facebook posts um, interesting and provocative sometimes. Um, so there's, there's a few that I would just mention to you. Um, I applied Sustac to Donald Trump's successful campaign. As much as we did, may all dislike the guy, um, I really needed to look and see how the heck did this bad product win in the marketplace. And uh, so I applied Sustac to it. And it's actually quite frightening and quite chilling how brilliant uh, a non-marketer was. I mean, his lead marketer was a non-marketer who knew nothing about it, but had a very open mind and knew the importance of, of uh, being able to target audiences specifically. I mean, the work they've done using the analytics on Facebook uh, and elsewhere about exactly who you are, what you believe in. You, you may not even be conscious of, of what you actually are, but they can determine your sexual orientation, your political orientation, you know, so much stuff about you from what you like and share. And actually, there's an, a British company that actually uh, worked with uh, UKIP uh, for, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but did work with UKIP. And they went on to work with Donald Trump and they played a big part in just a razor sharp targeting. I mean, even gun control stuff. I mean, they, they knew the people who were pro gun control and they could split those up into the diff there are different reasons why people want guns. Some of them are to protect their homes. Some of them are, they like the idea of being able to go out there on the street and have their own gun license if they want. So for those different people, they targeted vid specific ad video ads to hundreds of thousands of people with these different mindsets. So they're very precise and very fast moving. Uh, so it's a, it's a frightening case study that I wrote about Trump. So if you go to prsmith.org slash blog, or just click the blog button on prsmith.org, you'll find that one. Uh, another one is about AI, artificial intelligence, and, and clever bots, shopping bots, divorce bots, win for bots, you name it, uh, bot wars. I forecasted these things more than 10 years ago, um, 20 years ago, actually, I think, originally. But um, now it's coming to fruition. And, you know, the AI thing that I'm, I'm working on another post, which is actually really, really chilling and, and challenging and uh, potentially wonderful for the world and potentially disastrous is the acceleration of AI to super intelligent. Um, that's when we will see a threshold changing. I was in, in Holland recently, uh, Paul, I was doing a talk on digital transformation in Holland and I came across an exp a social experiment that they're doing there. They're paying professional people 3000 euros a month to do nothing. Uh -huh. Wow. There's one for you. Yeah, to see, can, can, we, can, they, can we live with each other? Can we live without? So there is no doubt 
it's going to affect jobs. We know that AI. Um, now, I know there'll be new jobs created, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't think it'll match the scale of, of efficiencies and, and automation that's, that's going to happen. So, you know, it could be a fantastic thing. You know, people back on your street who, you know, somebody's a storyteller, somebody else is, does physio for you, somebody else is a car mechanic, somebody else coaches football for the kids. You could know, create beautiful communities. Um, but there's much more chilling stuff than that, which is uh, the, when the super intelligence uh, kicks in. And the debate is, is it 25 years away or is it 40 years away? And, but there seems to be a general consensus. It's, it's going to happen uh, and it may happen a lot quicker than that. So um, I'm going to write that one up because it's really provocative. And in fact, I've been asked to do a graduation speech uh, for the Institute of Digital and Direct Marketing very soon. And I'm thinking, boy, if I put this stuff in, it'll have them on the edge of their seats and it'll wake them all up and it'll they walk out of there having graduated and really pumped up and ready to ask difficult questions and to challenge stuff. But equally, you, know, you don't want to talk about the end of the world during somebody's graduation. So. No, but I, I think you make a valid point. I mean, there's fairly recently, maybe within the last, maybe within this year, um, Tesco's made something like 1,200 warehousing staff redundant. Mm. Um, think of Amazon, the, a trillion dollar company that all the wealth that they're creating for themselves but not anywhere else when they're making jobs obsolete because they've got technology that can take care of it you know we're probably not that far away from drone delivered parcels yep. um, so, so i think we have to be very knowledgeable and i think we have to ask questions and be aware this is coming down the track um, and look to the positives and ensure the positives get built in to this sort of thing so um you know that's what just jobs you know to, to learn to live with ourselves uh, you know could could you live uh, not pre-retirement uh, not working uh, as opposed to because if it isn't managed you're gonna have riots on the street basically exactly. so exactly. yeah but i see i see a very positive if, if it's managed enthusiastically it could be the start of a wonderful new world but that's only level one level two is way beyond that is, is the super intelligent but um artificial super intelligence so you know, when you ask a printing machine to print the finest handwritten stuff uh, so that maybe when you send out your marketing letters, they're now handwritten with a stamp on it. It's going to be opened. Um, you, so if you had some artificial intelligence that do that perfectly, then you decide, let's train it to be the best and better and better. And let's give it access to the Internet, which is the dangerous thing to plug it in, even for an hour. Um, it's then compiled vast, vast quantities of information, which may or may not be controllable. But if the ultimate goal was to be the best, Part of being the best might be to wipe everybody out in the office, dead or alive, and yeah. uh, uh, continue to pump out the stuff across the world. Absolutely. Or solar panels and you know keep printing and connect with other horizons. So uh, you know, the, but but the point is, uh, and this is a serious point, it has to be taken seriously by governments. The safety issue of AI has to be taken seriously. It has to get on the agenda. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if it can be controlled. The safety of it. And, you know, when the robots become more powerful than the humans, but that has to be on the increasingly and, and young people and your, your audience listening should throw it into discussions in pubs and in universities and wherever they can with their mates and, and you know, on the golf course, wherever it is, get it raised because it's happening and the a lack of vigilance is is a real problem. Uh, so we need to be more vigilant and to ensure that there are just like uh, GDPR, um, you know, the, the, That's right. the, the they're kicking in now. And by the way, I've done a Sustac. Uh, on GDPR on the blog as well, if that's of help to anybody looking at the new data protection stuff kicking in. But, you know, the, the safety issues there are terrific and, and it really is good news that. Um, but, you know, the Internet of Things ha has a lot of weaknesses and access to hackers that could be through your printer. You know, bang, they've access to everything else. Or your car, or driverless car. So, you know, it's the safety issue that's really important, both for privacy, but also for the safety of, of the world around us. So there are some new issues emerging. I'm sorry to uh, kind of be addressing some of, the, some of the heavy stuff, but but uh, safety is a big issue in artificial intelligence, and people need to start reading about it and talking about it and exploring it and putting it on the agenda. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 only as, as heavy as you make it. It's a fascinating um, space. Um, just going back to what you mentioned about Trump, there's a guy um, called Randy Olson. <clears throat> I've written a couple of um, blog pieces on him, but he's written a book called Houston, We Have a Narrative. So he's a, oh, yeah. <clears throat> he's a scientist. Yeah. And he wondered why um, it takes so long for people never to read science research documents because they're always written very just boring. Um, yeah. So, like they, he, there's a great story about whoever discovered penicillin. And I think it was a rewritten document. Um, that eventually got penicillin out from underneath his table because he decided to write it in an interesting way. Um, mm. And that moves forward to Trump and where 
Trump is ridiculed and, and pilloried and, and is, a, is a laughing stock. Um, mm. <clears throat> they talk about how great and how brilliant Trump's story was, the arc of the story, which is pretty much stolen from Hollywood, the and but therefore, and mm. how he had um, never changed his me message once. He had put the trademark in for uh, Make America Great Again because he's stolen it from Ronald Reagan's 1986 campaign. And right. he continually stayed faithful to the Make America Great Again, despite having sacked up until his election three campaign managers. Mm. You know, he's not stupid, you know. He's not yeah. stupid at all. Mm. Um, okay, Paul. Listen, this this is um, I'm really grateful for your time. I'm conscious that we're coming up to the hour mark here. I, won't, I, I can't let you go though before talking about um, the great sportsmanship program. So we're sitting in Belfast, and last night there was the semi-final of the Women's Rugby World Cup. Um, we're on the cusp of two semi-finals in the GAA. Uh, Mayo play Kerry and replay Tyrone play Dublin on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. The yeah. EPL soccer season has just started again. Sport is kind of everywhere at the minute. Um, what's the great sportsmanship program all about? It's all about short stories, inspirational short stories about sportsmanship. And, you know, they happen every day on the pitch, um, on the court, tennis court, in the golf course wherever it is that they're in abundance and uh, you know we get a lot of press coverage and negative stuff but this is all positive stories so and we share them with anybody that wants them greatsportsmanship.org or just great sportsmanship uh, on facebook and linkedin and so on um and uh, we collect sort i mean just last week i mean this week in fact uh, i was looking at um the man city manager hugging wayne rooney who scored a goal against them at the end of the game i thought that's a pretty cool photograph uh, you know, just that moment, there's a guy who wants to win the championship, uh, the Premier League, um, desperately and is under pressure to deliver. And this guy scores a goal against him, Wayne Rooney, and he gives him a hug at the end. You know, I thought that's pretty amazing to watch that kind of stuff. I'm a Queen's Park Rangers season ticket holder myself here in London, uh, London's finest football team. And, um, you know, it was lovely being there, um, sad but lovely, uh, at the beginning of the game against Hull on Saturday. You know, minute silence. No clapping, just absolute silence by every single person in the stadium uh, for our for our Spanish brothers and sisters that lost people recently with the atrocities over there. Um, and I just thought that was so, so nice to see, you know, everybody understands. And at the, at the end of the day, the milk of human kindness is there. It's in everybody, but it's buried. Could, could QPR, sorry to call him, Paul, QPR yeah. are doing a, a, a really uh, wonderful initiative in relation to the Grenfell project, aren't they? Yes. Thank you very much indeed. They are. Uh, there, there's a charity match coming up and it's on. We've, we've announced it. But you know what? I'll announce it again today on the Facebook page on Great Sportsmanship. I'll announce it again just to remind people if anybody's interested in that and um, that they are to raise money for the people in the flats uh, who've had a terrible time, not just then, but since then, it seems like they've had a pretty awful, shocking time since then. So, um, yeah, they are they're in the community and they're active and they want to help. And in, in fact, I'm going to throw one more out there. I have a little story for you, which I did offer to uh, QPR in the community, and they said it's possibly too big for us this year. So I'm not going to wait around and go offer this to anybody else that wants it out there. There's no money involved. It's just a beautiful idea. And it comes from a Spanish football club called Recife. Um, they started an organ donor campaign. Uh, to, they needed more organ donors, as we all do. Most countries do need it. So um, they put on Facebook a little video, uh, put it in the program, and that was it. They got 40,000 punters fans that signed up for organ donation and the little video they made is the most emotional thing you'll see it on greatsportsmanship.org if you scroll down the right hand side either put brazil or organs or football categories there and the story will come up um, but it's how they created they solved a serious problem there's no waiting list for organs in that whole region now as a result of it so i'd like that to be replicated in countries around the world so if anybody's involved with the club that has a social conscience and would like to be the first to do something really cool like that uh, just go to greatsportsmanship.org, uh, put in Club Recife or Brazil or Organs, and the story will come up. Uh, or contact me on, on any of those platforms, prsmiths.org or sustac.org, uh, or Facebook or Twitter, any of those, prsmith underscore, uh, pr underscore smith. Um, I'll pass the information back on to you. But uh, it's a beautiful story, and the video will make you cry because it's, you know, it's, 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 I, I won't go into detail and watch it yourself. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. But that's kind of social movement can make the world a better place and uh, courtesy of consciousness and kindness of, of ordinary people that can, when rallied together, can do amazing things. So that's a, another nice little story of in the community of how we can help each other. And uh, so the, the idea behind great sportsmanship program itself is, as I say, to inspire young people. So when I'm in Dublin, I tend to go into Ballymun 
um, near the airport and uh, uh, you know, talk to schools there. And you know, they just love the stories. I'd love to come to Belfast. Maybe next time I'm up there, I'll give you a shout and we'll set up a couple of schools and do a talk in Sri Lanka recently. And we want people, ambassadors, to join us. Um, there's no money involved. It's all not for profit. It's all free. Spread the stuff. Um, be an ambassador. Put it on your LinkedIn page. Put it on your on your corporation's homepage. The, you know, that you're a sportsmanship ambassador, we'll give you the badges. I guarantee you clients will say, what's that about? And you say, it's actually um, it's actually an educational edutain- edutainment program to inspire young people in a tough world that they live in today. Um, and it'll get you having a nice chat with clients. Yeah, Paul, I think it's a brilliant initiative. Just as you mentioned, the, you know, the um, organ donation, um, you're probably familiar with Joe Brawley, who um, donated one of his kidneys to a, a, a coaching colleague in a club in Belfast and Joe set up um, or promoted heavily an organization called Up for Life um, for the same for the same reasons just to try and get uh, to create awareness for organ donation and the opt-in and the opt-out clause that exists trying to get a change in legislation and um, you know the, the sport and the, uh, sportsmanship in the right place is really a metaphor for good living yeah absolutely absolutely it's all to do with the milk of human kindness respect friendship uh, all that good stuff. Uh, but it's there in everybody, but sometimes it gets forgotten. And when you see celebrities doing it, like major sports uh, celebrities doing it, uh, it does inspire young people to do the same thing. In the schools that we work in here in London, um, the teachers tell me they see the, the children shaking hands with each other after games in, in, in the play area. You know, uh, they can see they can see the physical difference. The, the word respect is not shunned. It's like it's something to be proud of. You know, respect for the referee. There's a little mantra we throw into the thing for all schools, which is something I learned when I coached down in London Irish after playing there for 20 years, which was um, uh, the referee is right even when he's wrong. Yeah. yeah, and we get the kids to chant that out and scream that out, and you know, it, it eventually it, it, it embeds itself in their in their characters. Um, you know, which is a, it's a nice thing to have for them to have that throughout life. No, I agree with you completely. Um, yeah, I, I, what I'll do, Paul, is I'll put a lot of the references and a the call to action stuff in the notes for this podcast. I'll reference it again on my channels through Twitter and Facebook. Um, Thank you. If you, tag, if you tag me, I'll I'll share it at my end if you tag me as well, please. I will indeed, I will indeed. Paul, we're, we're just a little bit over an hour in this, and I know you've got another engagement in about 10 minutes, so I want to thank you for, for a really, really uh, brilliant and insightful um, 60 minutes into your world and into the world of SauceTech. So thanks very much, and I would maybe like to get another one in the can at some other stage with you. Definitely, definitely. I'd look forward to that, Paul. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, Paul. Bye-bye.